Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 8486. And I have people asking a lot if I'll have more MMA fighters on. And I don't generally, because there's loads of good MMA podcasts I enjoy. The MMA Fan Podcast, for example. Severe MMA, the Jack Slack Podcast. But I have had some guests on previously. Previous MMA guests, if this is your first time tuning in. I've had Dan Hardy on numerous times. He's a pal. I've had Mark Goddard on numerous... No, I've had Mark Goddard on, on once. He's also a pal. But that implies he's not as much of a pal as Dan Hardy. Apologies, Mark. Um, I've had MVP on. He's a pal. I've had Rory McDonald on. But I've not been in a rush to have anyone on for a while. Until this one came up. John Hathaway... I've been a fan of John for a a long time. Years ago, so back in 2011 maybe, maybe even earlier than that, I'd been doing some MMA journalism. Um, I'd been writing for a few websites and I would host a few different things. I'd go on BT, no, on on Satanta and on BT Sports every now and then um, to do some stuff. And I did an MMA show online and I had Che Mills on, I had Brad Wharton on at one point. Shout out to Cage Warriors. They're doing amazing things at the moment. And I had John Hathaway on. And at the time, John was, in my opinion, the best hope for a British UFC champion. And then a little while after that, he vanished. And I was... It's really weird. So a few weeks back, a few weeks ahead of this pod, of this recording... I was genuinely, I was just thinking, where did John Hathaway go? And then, honestly, the next day, I'd Googled it a bit, couldn't find too much out. The next day, my my friend Brian Lacey, um, who works with an organisation called Octagon, that's that's Octagon with a K, did an Instagram post about John having his comeback fight after all these years off. And he touched upon the health issues John had, and how his whole life was changed from being this prospect to being out of the sport, essentially. So I reached out to Brian and asked if John would be up for coming on the podcast, and he was. So we sat down and we had a blooming lovely chat. It's a really fascinating story. The reason I don't have many MMA fighters on anymore is it really has to... like This isn't an MMA podcast, so I'll try and pick people who just have a story that regardless of whether or not you're into MMA, it's interesting. And John's the epitome of that. As I said, I've not had anyone on in MMA since either MVP or Mark Goddard, and they were both a couple of years ago. So yeah, I think you're going to enjoy this. He's a fascinating dude with a f- fascinating story, and I'm really excited for all that's ahead for him. As ever, we're brought to you by speechdevelopmentrecords.com. You can get all my merch over there. Christmas is coming and we've got 27% off for all you l- lovely people. So fill your boots slash stockings. There's also patreon.com forward slash Pip where you can support the podcast and twitch.tv forward slash Pip. Yo, I'm doing loads of good stuff over there at the moment. I'm really enjoying it. I'm streaming a lot. So come and be involved in that. People are regularly... T- turning up in the chat and going oh hang on I didn't know this was just essentially us all hanging out with you and having a chat and and you know I'm playing computer games a lot of the time sometimes I'm not but yeah it's just generally a lot of hanging out and stories and you can ask questions and we can generally interact and engage anyway let's get on with the podcast this is the amazing this is what episode number did I say this was episode 486 of the distraction pieces podcast we've just now actually before we get into it I'm going to whisper in your ear, I've got a bonus episode coming out on Friday, and it's huge. In fact, the rest of the year's podcast, there's some huge conversations that you're going to be very excited about. And it starts right here. As said, this is episode 486 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with the wonderful John Hathaway. Right, I'm joined today by John Hathaway. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you very much. I'm excited to talk. You may not remember, but we chatted in 2011, right? I I started watching MMA in 
2002. And by about 2008, nine, I was doing a bit of MMA journalism and i was asked to host an online mma show that had a studio and everything and the guests on one of the episodes was you Jay mills and and mark goddard and i kind of think it's going to be really interesting to talk about that era and your journey since then because mate a lot's happened i'm selling in, including last weekend but a lot's happened right i mean when you look at the people on there i mean obviously mark goddard's now like one of the top ufc rest which yeah. is fantastic and uh shay mills as well obviously was like a massive pioneer for UK kind of MMA on the UK circuit. You know, he did make it to the UFC and fought well in the UFC, but yeah, he was he was big when I was kind of coming into it, you know? Well, that's what I think is largely for, for, forgotten because people talk a lot about where B- British MMA is at the moment and the buzz mm. with Leon being champ and Paddy and M- 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 Molly and Aspinall and all this lot. But in 2011, it was hot. You had y- yourself on a win streak with wins over... Diego Sanchez and Rick Story, and this was prime Diego Sanchez. As you mm. said, you had Che, who'd smashed it in the UK and 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 was making an impression in the in the UFC at the time. I always remember the excitement around G- Jimmy Manoa around that time, just right. looking like a killer. Dan Hardy had had the biggest platform any any UK fighter had had uh, with his fight against JSP. Brad Pickett had just come over from WEC with wins over Mighty Mouse and loads of amazing people. So that was a really exciting time, and you were kind of a key part of that. So, so, so how was that? I always remember Terry Etim as well coming in with a lot of hype, and there was, yeah, there was a real moment there. But as you say, because of how some of it panned out, a lot of that hype is forgotten, I think. Because, as said, Che didn't do quite as as well as everyone hoped. And you will, will, will get into what's been happening with you. But, yeah, it was a mad one. I mean, one of, one of my earliest fights I always remember, actually, I mean, like pre-UFC and stuff, was always uh, Che for um, Marius Romskis. Yeah. And it was on, I think it was on one of the old Cadridge contenders or something. And it was in, like, whatever, um, I think the Hammersmith or Pollard and something like that. And it was just an amazing fight, which he, he beats Romskis, who was part of a uh, shoot fighters as well, who I've trained with multiple times but it was it was just a great fight and he really showed like how much of a, an up-and-coming star he was you know you look at say terry Essen was on fire for a lot of his ufc fights and you know, he peed out towards the end ross yeah. pearson i think it probably come in ross at that pearson, point again was course. doing great so i mean yeah we, we there's so many good uk you guys you know you're right on show there because he was also coming through in that era where i remember going to some early bammer events and being like nah this ain't the one it, it didn't feel high level it didn't feel like yeah. athletes obviously that changed and some amazing people have come through there but Che was was one of them that would pop up on those cards and you'd be like all right no this is a guy who's UFC quality who's a legit athlete yeah yeah so how was that uh, uh, to be part of at that time that that wave of UK fighters as you mentioned Ross Pearson I don't believe I've not even mentioned Bisping here but but Bisping was more it was pre-Bisping's kind of second rise but he was obviously huge i mean yeah he was i guess one of the first ones in UFC. and again i always meant that it's not the fight that changed my because i always had massive respect and, uh, and high opinion of bisping but when he fought rashad evans at light heavyweight yeah for me that was the fight that basically i was like fuck it. like oh my god like this is a guy rashad evans come down from heavyweight who's competing against bisping who kind of wasn't a natural light heavyweight but did amazing gave him like all he could handle with and i know rashad i won the decision in the end but like Bisping just showed again what a high level athlete and caliber of fire he was in that match yeah. you know so i mean yeah it was glory days it was it was amazing you know just for i guess almost to a certain extent not just in the uk scene but just mma as a whole general thing was like just exploding you know you still had places i remember uh, i think it was my second fight in the ufc and i, I was talking to some of the uh, the octagon guys about this because it was my first fight in germany and it was in cologne right. and i remember it, they still had that thing of like oh they booked the ufc in i think it might have been their first first time in germany and then literally a couple of days before the fight I think like the Cologne people basically realized or like whoever was organizing the event realized like what was happening. And it was still in those days when it was like considered like, like, you know, human cockfighting or cage fighting yeah, or like, you yeah. know, and like all of a sudden they were like, oh, we need more police. Uh, originally children were allowed to go in and then they were basically saying like children couldn't go into it and people had already brought tickets for their like fairly young ones. And we're not talking like super young, but do you know what I mean? Like yeah. young teachers, they were like, no, no one under 18 can be in here and stuff. And they had like a big 360 on it on a, 
uh, sorry, 180 on it on uh, literally like two, three days before. And then kind of like everything calmed down. And it said, like all UFC events and, and MMA events just in general, it was just an incredibly smoothly run event. They had loads of extra police there. Nothing was needed. There was no trouble. And I think, again, yeah. it changed their opinion on it. But again, they always had that, like back in these old days, they had that thing of like, you know, when you saw it in the paper, it was like cage fighting rather than like mixed martial arts, rather than it being a sport and stuff Mate. like that. It had that complete different view to it. It's it's why I, I ended up writing about it in those early days because everyone thought of it as as you say cage fight and like any yeah. local events would have some blood on the poster and yeah. and fire yeah, and stuff like that yeah. and it'd just be rough and it was at the time that and you were I think a key part of this like I, w- I want to talk about your route into MMA but you uh, again I remember so clearly at that time that you felt like the British. Rory McDonald, in that you were the first wave that had come from these aisles that came in as an MMA fighter, trained as an MMA fighter. You know, up until that point, I always remember it always felt up until Rory, people either came over from kickboxing and learnt some grappling or came over from wrestling and things like that. And Rory f- felt like that first era of that. And you felt like that in in the UK, like Che was, it, he felt like he was a, a deadly kickboxer kind of thing. Obviously he had all of it, but it felt like you started with MMA. Was that the case? What was your route into it? I mean, my route again was actually just watching UFC on telly with my brother. Like I kind of always came from a sports background playing rugby and stuff like that, but I saw UFC on telly and was just like, this is what I want to do. You know, I yeah. want to fight for the UFC. And again, it took me 10 fights, but yeah, I came in it just as a fully MMA fire. Yeah. You know, my first, I guess, my first instructionals was Extreme Pancrase by Bathroom and yeah. Wrestling for Valley to Do by Mark Kerr. Mate, so people that. need to realise that back then it was pre-things being kind of available on the internet to watch. I remember it's, training in, was in, 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 my, in my garage getting, I remember there was a big nog had a really good DVD, a, a tutorial thing, and a Mashida had really yeah. a, a really... A, a, a really good BJJ one, some good, obviously some great stand up on there as well, but an Eddie Bravo's book. So l- right. learning BJJ from photos in a book, I've I've still got that upstairs. And again, it seems mad now because there's access to all these amazing tutorials and experts. But yeah, that era, I think there's a lot of people who started out in their garages or in their in their living room floors kind of like wrestling watching and DVDs. Stuff, yeah, that's it. yeah. You see something you're like, okay, guys, like we're gonna play around, we're gonna try to do this arm bar today from uh, from Mount or something, you know. And I, I remember like I said my first ones were all VHSs, but then like I think I had the Mario Sperry on DVD. Yeah. Like his set, which again I God knows where it is now, but I, I don't have track of that anymore. But yeah, I mean we had a little bit of internet stuff which we tried and you'd said like I think the first internet one move I I guess I learned was off uh, BJJ.org and it was in my IT class in school. So I was in like my last year of school <laughs> and it was literally just a Walid Ismail had just tapped out Hoist Gracie with a clock choke. Yeah. And it was a game yeah. move. And like literally I remember downloading it. It took like probably half the lesson to download it, but you're going by like pictures and written descriptions. You're like, okay, so he's, he's grabbing the lapel. He's putting shoulder pressure on. All blazers are basically like, a gi. This is perfect. Oh yeah, this is this ideal is for training. <laughs> I remember. I remember. I chipped my tooth once. I was uh, again. We used to. I used to teach my friend wrestling and, and grappling on yeah. the school playing field. And I remember armbar. My friend had like laughing, not putting the armbar on, but holding it. Yeah. I remember. I, I turned uh, towards leg side and he kicked me, and his boot like his shoe went straight in my mouth. Yeah, like, chip, chip my bottom tooth. I was like, oh god. I mean, it was my fault as well. Armbar. I'm just taking a mick of it and laughing, yeah. but. Just one of the things where you kind of do on a school playground, really. Of course. So, so where did you start to find actual training, I guess? Because you're, were you Brighton kind of way? Yeah, so Brighton way. So uh, I think we were about 17, maybe I was like 16, 17, but we started finding uh, the closest gym to us was uh, Soul Gilbert's uh, ZT Fight School. Right. And that was over in Peace Haven. So we used to drive over there normally once or twice a week, me and some of my rugby friends, and just get any training we could kind of get in. And this is where I first met Jack McGee as well, who's a, Mm-hmm. a big part of my life like he's a really good uh bjj black belt and runs yeah. mad hatters asylum down in chichester but yeah and then i guess i mean it was one of the things that i think to a certain extent because we'd already been training for like a year or so just at home and with friends like uh, almost i think soul and jack were like almost didn't believe that i hadn't done anything before you know but just kind of got in there and, and just started doing it so I, I loved every bit of it i was super keen to learn absolutely everything really were you okay with telling them that you'd been training at home for you because i always remember I, I wouldn't mention any training because as soon as you mention it, people are like, oh, oh, what kind of thing do you do? And you're having to say, oh, well, I've got this one DVD and yeah. <laughs> then I've got I mean, this. I was, I was it's kind of like, like a... They were just like, what, what have you been doing? And I'm like, oh, I've just been like 
learning on videos and DVD or like VHSs basically. Yeah. So I mean, I couldn't say I hadn't been, you know, because I was doing well and stuff. So but, I mean, they were happy. I said like I, I quickly picked up there and uh, started doing well. And then I think from there, I mean, we moved through two gyms like at CT Fight School. We went from Peace Haven to Brighton. And then from Brian, we ended up moving to our Hove one, which was like the more permanent base one. And from there, you know, Sol gave me, he was also running a fitness gym next door to it. So he gave me the opportunity basically to, um, I did a week on week off kind of course for personal training with YMCA. Mm-hmm. So I became a personal trainer just because it opened up my ability to be able to basically train full time. So again, I was probably one of the early pioneers of that, of like not having a nine to five job and then having to yeah. work it, like train in the evenings where I'd have like, like he'd do me favors where he'd like change my shift round so I could generally train like twice a day and right. just kind of like start improving a lot you know yeah so so how was it kind of working your way onto the uk and, and european scene because again it's a different thing you don't strike me as someone who was a scrapper at school or, or, oh, no, or yeah. whatever all the time so it's it it's a different thing to go from tr- from training and sparring to being in there against a stranger who wants to to, to take your head off or it's it's their livelihood on the lines so how were those early days of moving into the scene and, and making your mark? They were good. I said, like, I was never a scrapper in school or anything like that. So I never really had any real fights or anything, like, other yeah. than, like, little ones on the on the rugby pitch. But, I mean, I was always super competitive. So, like, it's what kind of drove me to be, to get into the sport, basically the the, the will to win and the want to win, you know. And even on my first fight when I was, I was going out there, it was, it was it's me or him, basically. That's what it is. Like, I've got to win or he's going to win. Yeah. So I'd go out there and I'd put my all into to basically getting the finish or, or getting the win. So, I mean, it never really, I guess, never really occurred to me to, to be worried about it. I knew what he could do and I knew what I could do. And yeah. it's not like we hadn't done it, in, I guess, in training before with with our, our sparring partners. Yeah. I, th- I think it's really interesting because, again, people who don't know about the sport or don't watch the sport, I think it's really interesting how much you can learn from, from watching from tutorial DVDs mm. and that kind of thing because it is far more of a technical and cerebral sport than some may realise. And I want to talk about that more later with your last nine years or so. But going back to that early part of your your journey, you find your way in 2009 to debuting in in the UFC. Were there any nerves that it was going to be too much of a jump up in competition or or were you confident that you'd done you'd done your time on the on on the local scene and and were and was ready um yeah i mean i was fairly confident again i think it was nice i guess to, to have that first match against someone who, who was like me coming yep. off of i can't remember what tom egan was but he's coming off of good wins but he was also his, his first time rather than having to face someone who's been in the ufc a couple of times so it was quite i guess slightly more of an even playing field in that yeah. response but i said I'd, I'd done all the hard work as, as everyone does in, in the two months but not to i had no reason not to feel confidence and not to want to get in there and basically do it. And again, it, it was kind of, I guess, the dream what I'd been kind of dreaming on since I was 15, you know, wanting to yeah. be in the UFC and wanting to compete at that level. So I was just super happy, super excited. It was in Ireland, so it wasn't like a big travel or anything like that. Yeah. But again, it was like, I guess, away. So it was like, you know, I got the experience of, of not fighting in the UK for the first time. So it was, it was just really cool. Really yeah. important. Well, I mean, sp- speaking of super happy, you fast forward a bit and you're... S- Seven and two in the UFC, you're 17 and two overall, and then it stopped. And it's a really weird one. Brian Lacey is a is a pal of mine, and um, he posted about you coming over to Octagon, and I messaged him instantly because it was weird. It was the day before that. I didn't really know what had happened. I just suddenly, I was, I was looking at, I was going through some old fights or something, and I genuinely, I just thought, what? Well, where did John go? He was so, he was one of the best hopes in the UK kind of thing, mm-hmm. just having an all-round game and all that. But as I said, it all stopped. So tell me about it. Tell me about why it stopped, how it stopped, and the last nine years, essentially. So I guess, I mean, obviously, I've been out for pretty much nine years. The f- yeah. last, I think it was about three years of my kind of UFC career, obviously, I, I basically came down with uh, ulcerative colitis, which is almost like a, a form of Crohn's in your large bowel. Right. And colon area. And that was building up to a match. And I think it was in London, the match was, it was going to be against Matt Brown. Right. Which wow. would have been a great fight. But I said, I think it was about two months out. I basically started um, bleeding every time I, I passed stools. Right. And uh, at the time it was like, oh, there was some stomach bug going around. So I didn't think too much of it. I carried on training and I think we got about two weeks out. So I carried on training for six weeks and I kind of like was losing weight and kind of getting, I guess, slightly more anemic and slightly less healthy. And uh, then I, I did a, 
I mean, it's crazy what you can do on like while being super ill, as long as you had, you had something to drive me, which was the fight. Yeah. So I was doing some of my best two mile times. You know, I was, I was sub 12 minutes from two miles. I was doing good. I was sparring good, training good. I think we had someone in to spar. And I basically said, like, before this guy came in to, to do some sparring for the Matt Brown fight, I was like, oh, look, it's still give me a lot of trouble. My stomach is. So like, I'll, I'm probably going to have to go to hospital or get, get checked out after this. And coach was like, okay, yeah, like absolutely fine. Like we'll get this spa done today and then you can go straight after. So I did the spa and then, uh, went to hospital and basically like sat hospital for a couple hours while they did some bloods and stuff like that. And I remember, I think that I kind of dropped off a little bit sleeping in the hospital and they woke me up at like, I don't know, 10, 11 o'clock and they were like, oh, you're staying in for the night. Like, wow. like we got to check you out a little bit more. So was it? I got put in moved to a room they did like stool samples more bloods and basically yeah i think i spent like five days in hospital that on that first time right. and obviously after the first night you're like you're finding out this is a lot worse than i thought it necessarily was yeah and uh yeah then i was on like iv antibiotics and then some other stuff just trying to bring the information down it's such a mad thing because i think as a sport a lot of it is built around that you're willing to push harder than everyone else right. and push through the pain and that kind of thing so i can completely see how until you found out it was something serious or or you might find out it's serious l- late yeah. everyone training is going through discomfort and everyone training is having a horrible time you know so yeah everyone everyone's slightly uncomfortable everyone's slightly run down you almost never make it to a match like completely unscathed that yeah makes sense. it's just it's just the way it is whether you pick up like a, a bug on the way through or you you hurt your ankle your elbow a little bit you just kind of not grit and bear because you you basically rehab around it and do your stuff to basically make you as yeah. good as you can be with it you know yeah otherwise i think if you like if everyone was waiting for that perfect kind of like oh i'm, I'm perfectly fine for this fight like you'd probably not fight nowhere near as much as you you think your yeah. people do compete you know yeah you just gotta kind of like not grin and bear it but just get through it you know get work through around it, it work and do make it works and then yeah so that was the first time i had a flare-up i think after that i was on mazavan which is like a medication for it which again like you're on like four tablets a day and then I think I managed to get a fight. And it was almost started happening like every other fight. So I'd get, I'd be out for it. I'd get pull out of a fight. I'd have a fight and be all right. Then I'd end up pulling out of the next fight. Then I'd have a fight and be all right. Then I'd pull out the next fight. And it kind of happened three, four times. I think I had three fights in it. And I had to pull out three fights. And after the first time, it's obviously, it's that hard thing of like, you kind of get the flare up when you're under the most stress. So, I mean, it's normally when you're coming into those last couple of weeks. Yeah. But it kind of always really rankled me to, pull out of my opponent and now again the last one was Gunnar Nelson wow it's like two weeks out and I'm having to pull out and I'm like man is he even going to get a replacement he's been training all this time like it kind of just annoyed me to have to do it yeah so after that time I was basically like was like right I basically take some time off and just I guess go for the different medications what they've always wanted me to do because again when I first had it they were like oh like you know they always give you the possibility of things they're like oh there's possibility you may have to have surgery in the end there's a possibility that you're probably going to have to go on a immunosuppressant medication to like suppress your immune system so it doesn't attack itself. Right. And they kind of give you the the rundown. And I was like, I think straight away, obviously being young and fairly like headstrong, being like, no, I'm going to be absolutely fine. I'll fix this myself and I'll, I'll kind of get through it. And yeah, again, after trying it and failing and trying it multiple times, I eventually went on. I went for a different type, couple of different types of diet, like FODMAP and stuff like that, and everything would kind of work for a bit and then basically fail me. Yeah. And then I went on to the immune suppressants and I went for, God, I think like four or six different types of immune suppressants where you do one type. And again, one type just made me sick straight away. One type was fine. And then that, it wasn't produced being turned into the right thing. And then that's like another medication to make it go right in my body. And then that didn't work because there's these odd things. It's the same with diet, I guess, when you're trying to fix something with diet where you'd go through like three months of it and you're like, oh, like this is working. This is great. And then all of a sudden, like it would fail and you'd get a flare up and then you'd be ill again and you'd be like, okay, so that's not the thing that's going to help it. Yeah. So like kind of like you clock for a couple of different diets, a couple of different medications. Uh, I went on to biologicals in in the end, which work a little bit like immune suppressants, but they're done through IV. Right. So again, they would actually make me feel good for about six to seven weeks. And I'd have them every eight weeks. So I'd have like a last week where I'd start feeling like, I guess almost like flu-like symptoms where I'm like start feeling a bit like, oh, I'm a little bit unwell. And then I'd have another like hour stint of uh, IVs or biologicals and I'd feel great again. And that that happened for quite a few months. So I was actually liking the biologicals. And I've said to someone else who's uh, messaged me recently with the same condition to me, he's like, he's like, oh, I'm meant to be going on the biologicals soon. I'm slightly worried. I was like, I actually found them great. Although they didn't work for me in the end, yeah, they worked for me for, for like a year or so, maybe even longer. And I, I felt really good on them. So I, I can't say there's a problem with the, the biologicals. It just 
didn't end up panning out for me, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, of course, yeah. But then, yeah, after, after biologicals, it was uh, only one thing left, and that was surgery, really. Yeah, and and that's a big deal, right? At, at what point did you ever think, oh, I'm I'm retired, or was it always, oh, I'm just sorting this out, and then I'll be back? What was your kind of mindset at that point? Were you still tra- tra- training? Obviously, you've got a lot... <laughs> a lot going on yeah where were you with it i was still teaching yeah. so i wasn't necessarily i mean i'm still trying to train as much as i could i wasn't necessarily training to like the way i used to train or, or the yeah, way i train now kind of thing but doing bits of bobs popping up to london every so often teaching twice a week as well down in my local area and that kind of like i guess kept my foot in the in the sport and kept me i guess enjoying it because i said like as soon as i said sorry but like for the first probably year or so when i was at the ufc like i could barely watch combat sports yeah it was just like it's made me sad really Sucked yeah. a little bit, but I said, I need to that help point, me. I said, you'd yeah. got to that <laughs> high level and you were doing well at that high level and still right. you're young and improving, right? So that must right. have been so hard to look and go, oh, these are the people I'm meant to be fighting. I'm meant to be, yeah, this is where yeah, I'm like, meant this to This is be. my division or these are people what I've enjoyed watching before as well, even if they're yeah. not my division. Like, I was so involved in the sport, you know, like at one point, I definitely was competing. Like, I mean, the UFC is different now because it's a lot bigger, but back in the day, like, and you'll probably be the same. I knew almost everyone in the UFC. 100%, you know, not yeah. necessarily on a personal basis, but like, you know, in this division, I knew like, or yeah. whatever, 30 or 40 athletes. And in every division, they had 30 or 40 athletes. And I knew yeah. pretty much all of them. And, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd have some cool things to say about every single one. Obviously, now it's it's so much bigger, so it's hard to keep track of like every athlete. But I said, for me, teaching definitely kept me involved in the sport. And then uh, after a while of, you know, your students and, and guys who are teaching, like talking about, oh, this fight's happening this weekend or this happening, you kind of start picking back into it and you, you get excited about fights, something good's coming up. And you're like, oh man, I can't not want to, yeah, not want to watch this. You know, I have to watch it. It's just enjoyable to watch. So, so where did it all? When did it all start to come together? And when did you start to feel that you could return and start tr- training properly? I guess. I mean, I was probably back training properly from the the beginning of this year. Right. I started training again, picking up like the year before, and again I started feeling like yeah, I could probably get back to a level where I could ideally compete. Maybe not UFC, but compete in MMA and stuff. But I, I feel like yeah. now competing with the guys at shoot fires and stuff like that and again training with them week in week out like you just start finding your feet again you start finding out where you are and it's it starts feeling good again yeah as you start feeling confident in yourself and the more confidence you have in your own body is like the happier you can be i think for for me my surgeries obviously happened in i had my first surgery in 2018 yeah and then i had my second two in 2019 so i had it said my first surgery was just before christmas and i had a, a kid in a business I was opening up and at that time I would have I'd already opened the business, but I had a kid coming in 2019, my daughter. Yeah. So I was like, basically spoke to the surgeon. We were like, let's just try to get this done as quick as possible. Because yeah. normally the time zone for it is something along like two years to have all three surgeries. Wow. wow. So I was just like, what's the quickest you could do it basically? And I think he said something along the lines of like eight months. We were like, cool, we'll just do it in eight months. Get it done. Wow. Obviously it was quite intense to have it done in eight months, but got it done and kind of just pushed for it. Got better. In between each surgery, I was, I was teaching still and training, like trying to do as much training as I could. Teaching in between surgeries. How how were you physically in, in those, in, I was in those a, times? I was emaciated and skinny. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, I'd lost so much weight from just not being able to eat or even not even why I could eat. I just wasn't absorbing yeah. kind of the right nutrients anyway, just because my bowel was picking up on how it's meant to work again. So, yeah. I mean, I got skinny, but I said everyone was wonderful who I taught and worked with. So we kind of got through it. It's amazing because you know, uh, any professional athletes, I was going to say MMA, but any professional athletes learn quite quickly that so much of, of it is about your diet and your gut and your your insides and knowing them, like particularly with weight cutting and all this kind of thing, knowing your body, you will have had a big period where you d- didn't know your body at all. You couldn't know your body because you don't know how it's going to react. You don't know what it's going to absorb. Whereas previously you'd know, oh, in the last week I want to eat this or do this, or if I need a tough week, I do this. All of that's out the window, right? Everything you've learned about yourself, particularly, as I said, but during personal training as well, all this kind of thing, that's all gone, right? That that must have been such a hard thing to come to terms with, that suddenly – you don't have that control or knowledge over over yourself. I mean, mostly, I mean, I mean, see, I competed at Octagon last weekend. Even even to that, of like, I knew I could compete. I knew I could do the free fives. It wasn't a problem. I knew I could win a match. Yeah. But the weight cut was always that, like, oh, you know, I hadn't done a trial weight cut. I know I'd got down to like eighty one ish. Yeah. So I knew I could be within four kilos, and it was just one of the things of like, okay, like if I can get to eighty one, I, I could make seventy seven. So that's not a problem. 
But then I was like, well, I don't know what my body's going to be like after making 77. Like, how is it going to bounce back up? What What's it going to be like with food in its system after yeah. not having food in its system or, or this and the other? So it really was like, I mean, it was, again, it, everything's always a learning curve, whether it's the first time, but it was that thing of like being there being like, okay, like made 77, that was good. Like rehydrating. I mean, everything went like absolutely fine, but it said it was a little bit of going into the unknown of being like, well, I hope this, I hope it's this goes well. Man. Like, it's scary, yeah. man, because as, as, as we talk a lot, the, a lot of people talk about this, that arguably the most dangerous thing in this sport of danger is, 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 is weight cutting. And the key part after weight cutting is reabsorbing as much as you can in that 24 hours. If you've had a, if you've had a body that, that, yeah, if you, if you've had a body that it's changed how it absorbs stuff, the reason you lost so, so much weight is because it wasn't t- t- taking things in. That must have been hugely nerve wracking to know that you'll be able to recover after the weight cut as such in, in time for the fight, which is the proper bit. <laughs> you know, it's I, meant I said to it's be the main I try never, obviously, even back in the day, I tried to never lose too much weight, if that makes sense. But with this time around, yeah. so to say, with uh, with the water loading and then cutting water out, I end up sweating out only a, about a kilo. So, I mean, that's like, compared to what some crazy people do, there's barely anything. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to, like, know that I can make it. So it was like, I did it, and I used to always do it in the sauna as well. And so much has changed, because in my day, we always used to do, pretty much everyone used to do it in the sauna. Yeah. But then nowadays, everyone does it in a bath. So it's yeah. that slight difference, you know. And I said it was 15 minutes in the bath, 15 minutes on the wraps, and uh, that was it. That was one kilo done. So how, it was nice, fast, and efficient. How has it been, again, meant, it's the mindset that always comes to me, to between the fight at the weekend and your last fight, the previous fight, you were the young up-and-comer, so on and so forth. This fight, I mean, you just used the word back in my day. Your next fight, again, all these years later, you're the veteran. You're the one that's that's been doing this for years. How's that as a, as a psychological thing? Because for in a way, for the young up-and-comer, there is a reduction of pressure in a way because you're you know you're you're meant to be still learning you're still developing you're still on your way whereas at this point as you're older it must feel a little bit like every fight is a huge fight because you you're the veteran now you know i mean i think for me i, I always kind of treat every fight's just just the fight you know and uh yeah i think in combat sports you're always learning so it's not like uh, i understand what you mean where you're saying like oh, i've been the young up recovery always learning but i think as the young up recovery you're always going to have pressure on you as well to perform rather than for me, I, I just do this because I enjoy it now. And it's what I had, I think, definitely at the beginning of my career. And again, I think the pressure towards the end of my career was, was put on me a lot more because of like the potential I had and being the young upcomer. And I think I stopped enjoying it as much as what, say, I did at the beginning and what I do now. Yeah. You know, I think I, I never wanted to become famous or rich from this sport. I just did this sport because this is what I enjoyed. And it didn't yeah. matter whether doing a sport, I said, in front of, say, a 10,000 crowd like in uh in frankfurt like we have a week or whether i'm just doing these spas in like in uh in the gym or any gym really yeah you know it's just the the enjoyment of, of doing the sport and, and competing yourself and uh, and pushing which is, is what i guess gets me excited and gets me wanting to train and gets me wanting to do more or or, or speaking of competing with yourself and pushing yourself i mentioned the at the start how much you learn early days from videos and i wondered all this time off as such, I'm using the term time off loosely because I said you've been teaching, you have been training, all this kind of thing. But all this time off, do you feel or how much do you feel you've improved? Because again, visualisation and taking things in from watching stuff is really valid in this sport and having the time, a lot of fighters don't have the time to do that because they're in camp, in weight cut, in this, in that, and having that time to actually sit back and go, right, where are my weaknesses? How's the sport evolving? How can I improve? You've kind of had that time to 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 step back, and everyone always says like teaching as well is an amazing way to learn because you're having to to break things down in a way you maybe wouldn't if it was your training camp. So, yeah, how's that period been for kind of improvement? Yeah, I think I've learned a lot, especially like I guess more on the grappling side. The grappling side in a not just MMA but just straight nogi grappling has just exploded in recent years yeah. and. The level of almost every competitor in it is just massive now. I mean, you look obviously yeah. Gordon Ryan's like the king at the moment. Yeah, you got the Craig Jones. You got a bunch of guys who are such high level, and they're doing it's so creative now with grappling. Like whether it be like K guard entries, Z locks, kind of the leg lock entries, even yeah. 
joy bars and the upper body stuff. I and mean, the last ADCC was just incredible to watch, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I've improved lots in, uh, in grappling. I've always liked boxing as well. So it's, it's not, I'm always keen to watch boxing and, and kind of pick yeah. stuff up from, from modern boxers and, and old boxers alike, you know? So I think definitely I've, I've uh, I guess carried on improvement, maybe not as well. So like improvement, I feel always goes in peaks and troughs. Sometimes you're, you're improving rapidly for a period of time. Then you'll, you'll simmer down and not necessarily learn it. You, you'll just hone your craft and you'll mm. pick it back up and start improving again. It's, it's, it's mad that. I was just thinking it's been mad watching that journey of someone like Gordon Ryan being the guy coming in who's doing everything a bit different and there's that question mark over it. Is it is it actually any good or is it just novelty? To, to then, as you say, being the king of no-gi in general and then thinking pretty much all of that has happened in your in your gap <laughs> like, like that whole journey has all happened while you've not been there so beginning of way, my gap he's a young one yeah. 170 pound guy and at yeah. the end of my gap he's like 245 and just ruling the yeah. uh the division and just doing everything so clean and well that like just couldn't can imagine it being any different now and from that ground game point of view there's almost something quite beautiful that because it's that was a weird period in mma as well when people were like is this type of bjj legit does it work in mma all the leg lock stuff because for a long time there was the leg locks leg locks were almost ignored unless you were power harris um other than that it's like yeah there's exceptions to the rules rather than like a a normal thing but so now you're seeing more and more leg locks in mma because 100 at the right timings they're absolutely fine to do obviously (laughs) when you're on your back and you're you're holding a leg and they're standing above you even leg lockers will tell you it's probably not the right time to do or it will be start trying to invert and get between their legs and, and get your head out of that distance. But in MMA, obviously, it's just a, a slight death sentence when someone could just start punching you in the head. So Yeah, but it's all it's all part of the game now. G- G- Gamrot and Dariush last night had some amazing scrambles that you're like, five, six years ago, that scramble would have stopped there. But because he's landed on a leg, it's a different thing now because everyone, particularly at that l- level, everyone's at least aware of it. It's not just this... Well, one guy's going for the leg lock and the other's, other's going to punch him. What we saw in that fight was one guy's going for a leg lock and the other was going, well, I've got your leg. <laughs> so, so so let's see where we go with this, yeah. Counter steps and counter measures. You yeah. know? Now it's like yeah. the scramble doesn't end after like two phases. It's now like six to eight phases deep. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, uh, I said, it's just incredible. Whether it's in MMA or if it's in graphic, it's just enjoyable to see now like the level of everything's just so high and, and great. So, 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 where did you start training at the start of the year? Did you say it was a, a, a London sh- shoot? Yeah, so I trained at London Shoot Fires. I do a little bit to Tenth uh, Planet Jiu Jitsu as well. Yep. Like again, they're good on the leg locks and, and doing yep. the old Eddie Bravo system. I remember years ago I went over to LA and trained with Eddie as well. So it's kind of always like Tenth Planet guys. But yeah, I, London Shoot I, my MMA. I rolled w- w- once with Eddie in LA and. It was ridiculous. I I knew Eddie a bit, and I'd hit him up saying, "Look, I'm real beginner. Is there a beginners class?" He was like, "Just come down tonight." I was like, "So it's a beginners class tonight." So I just come down tonight, and I just spent. Honestly, I've, <laughs> I've 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 told some mates this. All I was doing was trying to stop whoever I was rolling with doing what it felt like they were trying to do because they just felt so. Everyone felt so high above me. All one of them had to do was try to not put me in a guillotine and I would have stuck my head in going, well, this must be where I'm meant to, this must be yeah. how I defend it. But yeah, um, amazing stuff there. So, so who's who's been pushing you and letting you know your level? Is there anyone specific that you've been training with or sparring with that's kind of helped let you know you're, you're ready to come back and you're you're where you need to be? Well, I mean, the obviously the London Street Bike coaches, which is uh, Paul Ivans and Lexus Dimitratis, yeah. they obviously generally the masterminds behind us us all at London Shoot but I mean training with uh, uh, Felix Klinkhammer yep. Michael Venom Page yep. Alfie Davis like almost the list goes on Shipman Mike Shipman's are great there as well so like going through Norbert's there as well so there's so many I guess good level fighters and even the young guns coming up are just incredible guys to train with you know Mom yeah. and, uh, and Max and stuff like that so I think being able to hang with them and, and be able to do well is just uh, I guess what's given me the confidence to be able to get back in and, and get back to doing it yeah yeah, and and again, a good m- mix there, kind of of specialists and all rounders as such, which is exactly what you need when you, you you're getting ready to get back. I recorded a podcast w- w- with Venom Page at at London sh- shoot, and just kind of had a, a a look round beforehand, and everyone in there was just yeah, 
absolute killers. So yeah, everyone's a high level. Yeah. For, so speaking of coming back, then as we record this, it was last weekend. It went well, didn't it? <laughs> it kind of is. That's got to have been everything that you hoped for, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, again, all I could have hoped for was was a finish. But I said, like, it was nice to get the free rounds out to know that my body can kind of like go free rounds and not, not crumble on me I or mean, do something wrong with it as well. So with most refs, you got to finish in the second. There, it felt like like there like there was points in the second where it was like that fight's over. But then, yeah, I was going to ask in a way to get the free rounds must be a, a good thing as well. It's nice as I said, my, my body hasn't didn't crumble during it, hasn't crumbled since. So it's just kind of get back in. I started lightly training again this week and I'll just kind of pick it up over the next couple of weeks. Body will hold out and then uh, we'll try to get out again soon and just kind of enjoy it really. And 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 let's talk a little bit about Octagon because they're they're they they're, they seem to have come out of nowhere to me, but they're doing amazing things. And again, sh- shout out to Brian Lacey. They're a really high level. It's perfect for your your return to find out where you are, right? Because they're a genuinely high high level European um, organization that have got amazing fighters put, putting on, as you say, events with ten thousand fans there. Really big events. What more could you ask for? You know, absolutely nothing to say. Octagon's a great show. You know, run by some great people. The cool thing is the wellweight divisions massive and deep you know like yeah. a bunch of guys who have it now like they have like 30 plus fights so it's a, they they know what they're doing they've got good level guys in my weight division yeah you know the the um festival was was amazing which was the venue which was in frankfurt so i mean that was just an incredible venue very different from a lot of other kind of sport venues but it was just unbelievable the atmosphere in that place was, was super cool yeah yeah it was just just a great great show great people to fight for yeah. super enjoyable to see brian and brad pickett on the commentary booth as well was uh it was just amazing that's perfect, so, right? Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So I couldn't have asked for a better place to, to be fighting right now. It's a mad one because, yeah, I mean, what is – or how were the UFC during this time off and where are you with the UFC? Because, as I said, you didn't retire and you were doing really well. So how were they when you kind of needed to take time off? How have they been over that nine years as such? And what's the deal? Because <laughs> – are you a UFC fighter? Are you not a UFC fighter? Is it a grey area? I think it's a bit of a grey area. I mean, I'm not really focusing on that too much at the moment. I know, like, the UFC have been great for me over the last nine years. Again, they've, they've let me kind of, I guess they didn't retire me or, or expel me. They, they let me take my time off and kind of, I guess, fix myself. Again, I've still been in the, the Asada testing pool, so it's been quite nice to know that, again, wow. I'm yeah. clean and everything else. So, like, it's not like I've had, I'd have to have any time out competing in any of the other shows. Like, oh, it's got no, I'm clean. So it's not like I've been doing anything over yeah. the last nine years so that's great i'm just now, I'm now just imagining jump back y- into it you started turning up to test you when you're in a hospital with half your stomach I mean, hanging out and- i mean the more it was like <laughs> oh, so having, to remember, having to remember the medications i was on was like the insane thing because they test me like three times a year and they're like oh what medication you're on and you're like give me a second i'm gonna have yeah. to google this a little bit and like obviously all these crazy medications of like mad names and stuff like that i said eventually i end up just having it in my phone pre like ready yeah. so i didn't have to i said the couple times it required where i had to like google be basically like immune suppressants going for a bit like oh that's the one it, that's the one it is like that's what it sounds like kind of thing yeah there's a god knows obviously the test must be like coming up with some weird stuff in my body obviously nothing's like not illegal stuff but just being like oh god they've got the some weird immune suppressants in there it's one of the interesting things that people don't realize in the usada era is so much of it is about disclosure like there's loads of things that you are allowed to have, but you have to have told them that you're on it for this reason and for this reason, and it's all clear and clean. That the problems come in when there's stuff that comes up that you've not told them about, and that's that's when it starts to get murky and and confusing. But yeah, I can completely see. I know I've had things where I've been been given a, a medication and. Honestly, an hour after the doctors told me, I've no idea what it is. I've got <laughs> it in my, I've, I've got it in my pocket. No, it's in my I hand. This it's minute. in my hand. That's, uh... yeah. that's all I know. So that must have been a mad one. Yeah, to get that. Yeah, to figure all that out. I guess. Uh, I said uh, you kind of got used to. It. I said they've been testing me three to four times a year anyway for the last nine years. So I kind of just wow. That's really interesting. That again, it must be good for you. Yeah. To, to nice thing, since well. since the surgeries, I've I've not been on any medication. Yeah. So it's just like my motivation, like I remember, or my omega freeze, or something. Do you know what I mean? So it's all like it's easy stuff rather than that on top of like six different medications while I've got me taken. So yeah. So how are you f- feeling now? Again, you've got 
it's a huge deal to have got that first fight out the way, right? After all this time and all the... Again, I can hear you're an incredibly positive person, but there must have been so much doubt over that period because, you know, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what the future holds. So to have come back and to have performed at the, the level you did, it must feel good, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it felt great. I'm happy for the performance. Uh, happy to be back out doing what I love kind of thing. I guess, like, I didn't necessarily have doubt. I mean, I, I just kind of tackle every hurdle when I get to it, you know, again, that same with the hurdle being like, oh, you know, hope this weight cut goes all right, you know, we'll, we'll find out kind of thing. I'll, I'll just get in and I'll get doing it. I think I'll always be able to make a, a positive spin of it and, and kind of get through it and, and make it good. Yeah. How's how's your daughter? Because when she, her whole life, you've not really been an MMA fighter. You've, you've obviously been a teacher and all these other things, but that whole period of your life was before your daughter existed. So she's uh, three and a half now, and definitely a couple of times like, during those last couple of weeks where you know you're bringing your kind of calorie consumption down, just bring your weight down. And she'd just be like, just being a normal three and a half year old, just being like awkward for no reason. And you're like, yeah. just, just put your jacket on so we can go out and we can get on with our day. And she's like, but I want that jacket. And you're like, kid, like it's cold out there, it's raining. <laughs> you need a jacket. I'm not wearing a jacket. You're like, oh. I can't, <laughs> I can't be dealing with this right now, but yeah, you just get for it. I said, it's, it's kind of just one of the things I think that it'd be almost just as annoying anyway, even if I wasn't uh, cutting weight, but definitely uh, makes it a bit different where you normally used to, I guess the last times I was doing it, I had no wife, no kid, could just, yeah. it would just be on me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But then now obviously you've got other people kind of depend on you and you're dependent on them. So you I, kind of just get through, but she's, she was funny as hell. I bet it makes you realise how much the kind of the weight cutting and the general being in camp g- gets to you because other people being around will make you realize how grumpy you are in those if, if you're on your own you're grumpy but there's nothing to really reflect it back at you when you well, got, you're like i, I, I know i'm being keep... a sod here basically yeah, you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah that can't be an easy one but again another part of the, of the journey now just the journey is funny i met my wife a couple of days before the way like she'd like Again, that's not happening of like, you know, she's had a hard day at work. She comes in just like bag of chocolate, like, oh, is, is it okay if I eat this? And I'm like, yeah, do you know what? It doesn't actually bother me. So like, you're absolutely fine. you like, you know, maybe if I was, you know, caught me at the wrong time, the wrong moment, yeah. I would have been like, oh God, eat sweets in front of me. But you're just like, you just got to laugh off and be like, yeah, it's just, just something that happens basically. Yeah, go ahead. You know, you've had a day, I've had a day, like, it's just the way it is. So, so what is ahead? I, I presume you've, you've got your eye on, on the next fight in octagon is that the plan is 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 have you got any kind of year ahead two years ahead type plan or are you taking it each each day as it comes i guess probably taking it a bit each day at times so they've uh given me a date for the end of the year and beginning of next year i think february next year Great. so kind of depending on what opponent comes up for, for each one of them I'll, I'll jump one of them i know carlos Vermola's at the one on the one at the end of the year which is the prague one which would be quite cool. But I said, we'll, we'll just see kind of how everything goes over the next couple of weeks and, yeah. and what we what we get offered and, and kind of jump on that. I said, I'm super happy to be still fighting for Octagon and, and be on a show like that. So it would just be, be really cool to get back out and compete, really. And and are you back watching the UFC and, and Cage Warriors are doing amazing things this side of the Atlantic at the moment? Are you... Are you fully back being a fan or is there still any kind of weird oh, no, I mean, I've, I've been a fan for the last couple of years obviously i watched the uh event last night yeah which was a, a great event i've watched i think the last cage warriors because darren um stuart fought and jimmy warhead fought yeah i'll be watching the next one which is jimmy's fighting again i think yeah uh alfie's fighting on bellator next weekend as well so i'll be watching that yeah so i mean yeah there's it says again i'm back in it now and it's just knowing people i mean even when I wasn't necessarily back in it, I knew people like Paige was fighting and you'd, yeah. you'd kind of watch those fights. I remember Felix fought in Octagon as well. Yeah. I've been Czech Republic, so I watched that fight. So yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, just exciting. You can't not like it. And I said like with the ADCCs recently as well, I watched all the ADCCs. They were obviously, uh, they were in Vegas, so it was an awkward time, but I tried to stay up as late as I could, watch as many as I could, and then catch the rest the next morning. It was just, uh, combat sports is good at the moment, you know? It's enjoyable. Yeah. It's so enjoyable. One of the maddest things, again, just coming to mind now is before all your health issues one of the fights you had to pull out of you were the young up-and-comer you would have been the young up-and-comer against the veteran matt brown the fact that after all this time matt brown is still there and still the veteran fighting people is is insane right it's a real testament to how long 
these things can go because back then he was he would have been the veteran that you were facing as the tough test and now yeah yeah people can have such longevity in this sport as well especially when they're they're training correct and just doing their things correctly you know it's not like a sport where you're I mean, a lot of footballers are out by the time they're like 30 because they start so young rather than in kind of an MMA and combat sports. Like, don't get me wrong, you can do the same thing and be a bit bang or bust and be out really early, but you can bring your career into the, the late stages, you know, yeah. by just treating your body right and listening to it. Yeah, yeah. And it must feel like you've just got a, a second win now. Or how th- that's a a question i will wrap things up in a minute i keep going to wrap things up and then thinking of more things i want to know but how did last weekend's fight feel compared to your previous fights because again in a lot of those previous fights you were fighting through illness and and your body not doing what you wanted it to do did this kind of feel like oh it all works now i've 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 got it all together or yeah what was the comparison there i mean yeah it it was good the majority of things will work fine. I mean, I got a chest infection a couple of weeks before, so I had to go on antibiotics to clear that up. But as I said, you'll never get through anything 100%. You just got to try to get as near as 100% as you can to kind of get as close to it as possible, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it was good. It was an enjoyable experience. So I, I can't complain about anything. You know, I, we got through the camp, got through the fight, and everything was, everything was golden. Yeah, I love it. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, and I'm excited to, uh, to see you back. As said, I remember the excitement of that era kind of 2009 10 11 12 kind of thing hugely and it's mad to think that towards the end of that era you were up and down with with your insides essentially with stuff that you were trying to get through so i'm excited to see you back to full health and all that's all that's ahead so yeah thank you for taking the time absolute pleasure thank you very much for having me on You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was John Hathaway. What an astounding story, right? Absolutely amazing, dude. And as I touched upon, one of the things I loved about him back in the day was he was this clearly quite softly spoken, intelligent young man that happened to be in the business of getting in a cage with another dude in your pants and fighting until one of you loses essentially so yeah interesting stuff man hope you all enjoyed that as i touched upon huge bonus episode on friday like clear your schedule that's what i'm saying clear your schedule because we've got some business to deal with on friday and next week's is i mean as said it's crazy times i'll be back on friday so until then stay safe and stay sane ta-ta